I am Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, we're talking with Ian Morris from Light Reading about Mobile World Congress, uh, what he saw there in terms of attendance, what some of the new technology was that was on display, some drama that unfolded uh, outside of MWC, but during the same time as the event. And uh, he'll also tell us about some of the uh, larger industry implications of what was going on at the show. Hey, Ian, thanks for joining me on What's the Story? Hi, Kelsey. How are you doing? Good. So you made it through Mobile World Congress. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, survived another one. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like from um, an attendee perspective? How did it shape up compared to previous years? I mean, it was nice to be back, to be honest. it's I think it's been three years since the last one in person. I know they had a, a pared down one in June last year. Um which I didn't attend, but from everybody that I've spoken to, you know, there weren't very many exhibitors, lots of people pulled out. They only had about 20,000 people, most of them from Spain. Um, and I think we'd all forgotten what physical shows are like. So it, this was the really first substantial event that I've been to for, you know, throughout the pandemic. And the numbers came in, I think, late last week that they had about 61,000 people. So it was much, much more than anyone was expecting. I mean, right at the upper end of estimates. And because they closed down a couple of halls, it still felt busy, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, you've been there before, Kelsey, you know what it's like, you're wandering through the crowds and sometimes it's hard to get from one place to another. So you, mm -hmm. you didn't have that, but you still had a sense that it was a vibrant show. And um, and it was just really nice to see people, you know, to see kind of old colleagues and have face-to-face -face meetings. So I think on the on the events side, it was really encouraging, you know, for, for anybody who's in the events business and for other events organisations, I think that you look at what happened there and it's quite encouraging to see there's still an appetite for it um and then in terms of themes i mean there was nothing really you know sometimes you go and you kind of come away with a sense of these are the big themes maybe it was because mm -hmm. i was rushing around meetings a little bit more than usual and not not going to press conferences and not trying to have a look at stands but it's quite hard to put your finger on what the sort of overarching theme of this event was and a, a lot of it seemed to be sort of picking up where we left off in 2019 i think then 5g was just starting to be rolled out we're now a few years into it and i think i don't think it's i don't think it's unfair to say there's probably been a little bit of disappointment with 5g you know it's mm -hmm. it's really it's not really done anything on the enterprise side yet it's very much a consumer thing and it's not really made a huge difference in terms of the kinds of services and applications that people can use so that predictably there was talk about you know, things like private wireless, you know, network slicing, standalone, low latency use cases. I mean, a lot of the stuff we were seeing actually back in 2019, but maybe mm -hmm. just more of it. And I think maybe the nice thing is because people like Verizon and, uh, you know, some of the other big operators have actually now started experimenting with some of these services and they're providing it to some of their business customers. You, you did see, I mean, there were more robots than I think they've been before. They, they had a sort of robot barman serving drinks at one of the stands. Yeah, I saw you wrote about that, and it, it sounded like he wasn't very quick, though. He was incredibly slow. I mean, if you were in a hurry for your drink, then you were, you were going <laughs> to you know die of thirst. It was like... Did he uh, have any, like, banter or anything, or he just was making drinks? <laughs> as far as I can tell, I mean, I my, my colleague, our colleague Fiona made it over there and watched him, and we've got a nice little <laughs> video. 
that she sent through that I'll try and get up on the site, I think, maybe at some point and put in the story. But he he certainly wasn't talking to anybody then, and he was taking a, long, a hell of a long time to make this drink. <laughs> Um, and then they had these robot dogs. There were a few of them. And I saw one with um, Verizon that um, their chief strategy officer, Rima Qureshi, was showing off. And uh, there was another one that was sort of trotting around the, the halls. Uh, apparently, one of the uses is um, like security situations. If they have to send people in to check that places are safe, you know, and that there's no bombs, I guess, or something like that, then they could potentially oh, okay. use. Or like if there was an earthquake, maybe send it in yeah. to a crumbling building, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And they can scan the area and they can sort of, you know, feedback information on video and, and presumably you can sort of connect all sorts of sensors up to them. And yeah, I mean, that's when you said security at first, I thought of that because you you mentioned in your article about the Black Mirror episode. And I'm like, are they going to yeah. come in? And <laughs> you're just so yeah, scary and looking. <laughs> <laughs> the way they move and everything, it's there's yeah, a sort of sense of so them. Um, but so I mean, there was some nice sort of gimmicky stuff like that going on. I mean, it wouldn't surprise anybody. There was quite a lot of talk about Open RAN, which is only is a very new thing last time. So a lot of the meetings I had, I was chatting to people about that. And there's more. There's certainly more happening. I mean, there were some interesting chip announcements in the run up to the show about getting new processors that can handle the the kind of needs of massive MIMO and, you know, high performance sort of computing needs in city centers, which is always one of the concerns about when you virtualize and, you you, you know, you don't want to rely on the x86 to do all of that because it's just not energy efficient enough. Um, you know, what, what what can we do about that? So that was quite encouraging, I think, from a sort of open round community point of view. And there's more talk of trials, I guess, and rollouts going on. Um, but I, I, I mean, personally, I still think there's a lot of question marks over it. I still, I still wonder whether it's going to lead to this sort of, you know, diverse market that the operators want. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm less convinced on the, on the competitive. I think some of the technical challenges are being addressed, but whether it really makes a change to the market dynamics remains mm -hmm. uh, to be seen. Um, and then the other, the other thing was the metaverse, I guess, which is a new thing that obviously Facebook's been talking about a bit recently. And then it seems like every other tech company's jumped on board the bandwagon right. and they all have a metaverse story. And I think Telefonica stand had the metaverse sort of plastered all over it. And there were other operators talking about that. But I mean, for me, it's, and I, t I did talk to some people about this. I think it's quite a difficult one for telcos to feel positive about, you know, they don't, mm -hmm. they don't do that well from a sort of application development and new services standpoint we've seen that for years now they're very much sort of selling packages of gigabytes and you know as those have become bigger and and they've sort of i mean i don't know so much what it's like in the us but over here you can get unlimited sort of data usage now and and all that's done is put a huge amount of pressure on networks so you right. think think about something like the metaverse and what that could mean in terms of how much bandwidth you need to support and mm -hmm. what kind of latency is required for some of the virtual reality stuff and People were saying to me, well, you'd really need to roll out quite a lot of edge infrastructure potentially. And, you know, that's a that's a huge investment for telcos to make when they haven't really recouped the investments that they've made yet in 5G even. So mm -hmm. I imagine some CTOs just looking at the metaverse and thinking, oh, my God, no, what? How are we going to cope with this? And, and I guess that's why you hear a lot of this stuff about net neutrality again. It's it's an argument that seems to have become a bit sort of louder recently and hear telcos complaining about, oh, maybe the internet company should stump up some payments. You know, we can't we can't be expected to sort of shoulder the burden entirely. Right. So, um, 
yeah, yeah, especially if they're not getting, like you said, reaping the um, the profits from it, and and they're having to do this huge investment in it. Um, was there any uh, discussion about Ericsson and and kind of the drama there? Was any? There was a little bit. I mean, this is the interesting thing: is a lot of the big stories that were going on during the show weren't actually at the show, and I think that's <laughs> one of the things you often get with MWCs. It's something mm-hmm. really happened somewhere else and we had i mean quite sad news really the whole situation in ukraine was was sort of happened at the weekend before right a few days before it started and then a consequence of that is which is still playing out now obviously is companies not you know choosing not you know to deal in in um, russia anymore and, mm-hmm. and we've had a wave of sanctions imposed we've had this sort of banks ejected from the swift banking system but there's been a telecom aspect to this as well both ericsson and nokia said that they would Halt, you know, shipments to um, to Russia, um, and I think you've seen some of the handset companies saying the same thing. Samsung and Apple's commentary today about, you know, what it means for Apple in terms of revenues, but um, but it was it was definitely something that you heard people talking about on the show floor and commenting on. You, you just couldn't mm-hmm. get from it, and and then right. the other one was um, Ericsson's sort of scandal, I guess, in in Iraq, where they're they had these payments going on a few years ago where they, they couldn't work out where the money had gone. And it, it looks like the, they had sort of people paying to use uh, roads that weren't staffed by normal customs officials so they could get around Iraq more quickly and make deliveries faster. But Ericsson did this audit and couldn't fu- couldn't figure out where the money had gone. And there's a possibility it might might have ended up in sort of terrorist hands. So, so it's, it's hugely embarrassing. And it's also mm-hmm. a for them in terms of the, the DOJ because it only just paid this quite hefty fine for um, sort of bribery and corruption problems in other countries that had happened years ago. And I think that, you know, Boy Ekham, the CEO, has been trying to get on top of, of all of this and clean out the kind of culture and make make changes. So for this to kind of come along doesn't look good. And, and there's a, yeah. a suggestion that he sort of may, maybe sat on it, you know, and he, 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 he says he did that for reasons that were that were right, that you can't just go revealing things until they've been looked into properly and you have to protect the identities of employees. But there's, I think there's this sort of suspicion that it was, they should have been more sort of upfront about what was going on and mm-hmm. provide information quickly enough to the DOJ and everything. So they've had huge problems with um, the share price recently. I mean, everybody's struggling with the, with the kind of Russia um, angle, but Ericsson's had, had sort of dipped quite badly when when all this came to light. So, so yeah, it's, it's strange. You had these two sort of very big stories going on that had not really very much to do with MWC. But, <laughs> yeah, you know. not much to do with uh, robot dogs and uh, the metaverse there, but very yeah. interesting nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ian, thanks so much for um, the update on MWC, and I'm, I'm glad you survived, and, and hopefully you get some rest after. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Kelsey. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ian. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Ian, for taking the time to talk today. Thank you as well to our amazing producer, Pierre Landriel, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.